0: Welcome to Redefine the Circle, a podcast where we discuss all things pitching. I'm Ashley Sunshine, co-owner and head of pitching development at S2 Breakthrough. In this podcast, we're going to highlight topics that focus on how to maximize your pitchers now. We're going to discuss some of the trends that we've seen at S2 Breakthrough and talk about how we use data to create systems and training approaches that are specific to each pitcher. It's so important for us to continue to share this information and facilitate discussion within the pitching community so we can keep evolving as coaches and ultimately grow pitching into something it's never been before. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks for joining the quest to redefine the circle. This podcast is sponsored by Tech, softball's first in-game optical tracking system and most accurate data-capturing solution. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Redefine the Circle. I'm Ashley Sunshine, head of pitching development and co-owner at S2 Breakthrough. Uh, I am here today uh, in our final episode of Series 2 here with our very own Carly Sewell, our head strength coach here at S2 Breakthrough. Carly, welcome back for the last time here on Series 2. Thank you. Okay, so today uh, we're wrapping up this second series, which has been all about strength and conditioning for pitchers and what are the types of things that we really need to think about as pitching coaches um, regarding, you know, sort of the other half of our like partnership in training. We talk a lot about considering you the, the other, another skill coach here at S2. So you and I really work hand in hand, very closely every day with every athlete that we work with. And so really this, this series was about trying to get as much information out as possible, um, to start to understand how you can start to establish that relationship with your strength coach. If you don't already, how to start to ask the right questions regarding like, are my athletes doing the right types of things? So just a little, let's kind of start with a little bit of like a, a summary, almost car, like you know, we, there are things that we know, um, you know, we've been at this for several, several years. We obviously track a lot of data regarding, uh, progress and response to training, both on your, from your standpoint and how it's translating to skill. And so really at this point, we feel, you know, every athlete is her own story and has her ups and downs, but as a whole, the systems that we've created as to you know we're feeling pretty confident about as far as like you know this is the direction that we know our athletes need to be heading in um so with that said the types of things that we know really are kind of if you're a pitching coach and you're listening to this and you're thinking like if i know that my strength coach is the basis of his or her program is is x like that should be a little bit of a red flag some of those things maybe uh card jump in here would be like if, if pitchers are constantly training the wrong energy system you made an analogy Uh, To an athlete the other day that I thought was great, you said like, you know, imagine you put the wrong type of gas, the wrong type of fuel in a car and just expected it to go. Uh, So maybe you can highlight that a little bit more for us of like what that means when athletes are training and they're training the wrong energy system and why that's not going to translate into the pitching motion or the sport as a whole.
1: Yeah, so with conditioning, I think we automatically think of the old school principle when we say conditioning, we think long, slow distance. Let's run 30 minutes. Let's get uh, our endurance built up to go for a long period of time. But we have to understand that softball is not about that. That's not the type of endurance that we're chasing. Softball is very power-based and the endurance that it is, is a strength-based endurance. That's about the ability to repeat power and to do so throughout seven innings. So when we're talking about this power, we're talking about resting in between those power birds. So when we do long, slow distance, we're building a completely different system. We're building a system for a marathon runner. We're not building a system for a softball player. So that's why I say we have to make sure that we're putting the right gas in our tank to make sure that we're training for the demands of our sport.
0: Yeah, and I think that's just like at the very base level, all pitching coaches need to be able to sit down with their strength coaches with their strength coach and feel confident that they're on the same page with like, this is what I need from an energy system standpoint. Also, we talked about this. I think it was episode one, just generally about like the factors that we have to really consider regarding things like rotational athlete, what is so important for a rotational athlete and that, you know, your, um, your pitchers should really not be like following a program that your sprinters are following or that, uh, maybe your basketball players are following. There shouldn't be like a ton of overlap in those concepts. I know we went into a little bit of detail this in, in episode one, but can you give us a couple highlights, a couple of bullet points here for what is unique about rotational athletes?
1: Yeah, so there's many layers to being a rotational athlete. Uh, number one layer is that you have to individualize the sport of the rotational aspect of it. And then you have to dig a layer deeper and think about the position that the athlete is playing in that sport. What are the demands of that sport? Um, How much are they throwing? What type of throwing are they doing? Pitchers are different than positional players, obviously. And then at the very individual level, what does their movement capacity look like? So you have to take all of those things into consideration when building a program that you want to attack everything. And you can't just build a program that's for softball players And then not address the individual aspect of that because then you're missing a piece. What if that athlete can't complete a movement efficiently? Then you're just wasting your time. You're doing a great
0: job keeping her where she's at, but you're never going to actually have her progress. So you think it's fair to say there's kind of like three categories here or three questions that a, a pitching coach should really just start with with their strength coach, which would be one, is their strength program even, is the soul of it attacking the right sport? The second one would be if it is attacking the right sport is the right energy system. Yep. And then the third level is, is every player on my team, pitcher, non-pitcher, whoever, are they all doing the exact same program? So there's like, there's tiers of it getting better and better. Right. And I think like, you know, I could go off and, and I will in the future, and a whole episode of like energy systems, even with just in pitching, you could have the right sport. So like a great example would be like, you know, when pitching coaches have their pitchers, just like, uh, sprint, like throw a pitch sprint, go get it, come back sprint. And it's like, in reality, that is not remotely resembling what our game is and does. And so it's just like a totally wrong approach to getting pitchers to be able to do what they need to do in the game. And so you could be, you could think you're in the right sport. You could be having them do things that look like the sport, but still be in the wrong energy system.
1: Absolutely. I will say okay. the simplest thing to do too is just watch softball and time how much rest is between pitches, right? We're having like 45 seconds to a minute in between the rest and then we're going full effort again. So if we're doing back-to-back sprints, that is actually nothing like our sport. If we're doing back-to-back pitches or trying to pitch as many pitches in a minute, that's not our sport. And that's nothing like what we do on the field.
0: Yeah. Okay. So these are sort of like, uh, it's kind of a, a little bit of a summary, a couple bullet points of like, these are the types of things that at least should be in your mind. If they're not already about whether or not you're on the right page, we're coming at this from a standpoint of like, we're trying to maximize what our athletes can do. We are trying to, we're, we're a player development model. And so I guess, you know, there are probably some coaches out there that are like, yeah, but I utilize X, Y, Z from like a culture standpoint. Um, like we, you know, we mental toughness, all of these things. And so, um, I think that would be a whole nother series on its own, but like it is very important to understand that you can't sacrifice the physical nature of how athletes should be training for our sport to make them tough. Like that's just too much of a sort of like in, I guess you'd call it like old school, but sort of like in at this stage what I would consider a little bit of like an ignorant thought process.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So let's talk, let's talk more detail. Like then what should it be? So like we've talked about like, you don't want it to look like this. You don't want it to look like this. But, um, you sometimes talked to me about like an onion approach to when you're programming for an athlete. Can you just sort of review what that looks like? And then also give me some examples of like, you know, picture a picture B, what are the types of things that are in her program versus her program? And why, what did you see from their assessment? What do we know about those patterns? Let's start to lay some of that out for some of our uh, listeners slash viewers here.
1: Yeah, the first thing I'm doing when I'm going to program for an athlete is thinking about, A, the demands of softball, what I'm going to have to build her against, what I'm going to have to build her for. Getting her where she is in conditioning level. uh, Is she out of shape in terms of she needs to be conditioned more for endurance, shoulder endurance, hip endurance, whatever the case may be. Uh, What is the mobility telling me? What is her mobility screen telling me? What does movement capacity say? And I'm taking all of those things into consideration in the first layer before I even dive another layer in. Secondly, I'm thinking, where is she at in her timeline? If she's 16 years old, that's a different story than if she's 18 years old. If she's 18 years old, I better hop on it because I have to progress this athlete pretty quickly if she wants to be her peak self by her first, second year of college. So there's a completely different timeline there. Then I'm thinking, what is the timeline she's in, in season? Is she in her travel ball season and getting crushed by games? Is she in her high school season and getting crushed by games? Is she in the off season? All those things matter as well. And then diving in, the deepest layer is, what can I control for the next four weeks? How do I moderate the stress in the next four weeks with her skill training and with whatever life stressors she has going on as well?
0: Okay, let's start. That's like amazing and also probably a little overwhelming for a lot of our coaches that are like, but how do you do that? Right. So (laughs) let's maybe lay out some of the things. Um, Okay. Let's just talk about two athletes we have on the floor on any given night. Uh, They're both in high school, very similar age ranges, probably junior, senior year. And uh, you know, they're a month away from starting high school season. Right. So they're in similar time periods. Um, Maybe just give me literally real life examples of two things that are different about their programs. And of course, their programs are probably very different, but like the heart of their program is about attacking X and this is Y. Can you give me two things just highly individualized between two different athletes?
1: Yeah, so we have an athlete who is obviously about to start high school season. She came to us uh, probably about three months ago. Uh, She's an older athlete. She's about 16, almost 17 years old. So have to get a move on with this athlete. And then we have a younger athlete who is 14 years old, has been training us for training with us for a while now. So their main list look exactly the same because I have to get the older athlete caught up. She went through four weeks of really diving in, nailing patterns, but now it's time to get going and really work on building that strength and power for season because that's when it really matters. But when it comes to the accessories that they're doing, it's completely different. The younger athlete needs more of a base for her upper body. She needs more positioning to find where her scapula is in space, but I don't have that time with the older athlete. I really need to get her moving. Sure. Those are regressed patterns for the upper body. So when I say regress, it's probably more supported. She's probably lying on a bench when she performs these movements, but she has to do them. She has to be getting overhead in some way, shape or fashion. And it has to be for load because of how old she is.
0: What about some things, um, about some athletes that we have on the floor where, you know, that like lat mobility is a real target. Like we're having a challenge, like her, her trunk patterns are looking great, but her lat mobility won't lock, you know, won't unlock. Um, and we feel like it can, it's not something that this is like so severe that it can and her ability to really switch spin directions. There's a lot. And I've talked about this in previous episodes, like what would something, give me some specifics and what would go on. In an athlete's program, we have them on the floor all the time where, you know, I'm kind of coming at you like one of the main things we need to do here is attack that lap.
1: I have actually taken out almost all pushing and pressing in case scenarios like that. We have one rising pitcher who she's a senior now. She's about to leave, uh, go to a division one school. But with her, I'm really trying to unlock that lat and preserve as much motion and movement as possible. And I've taken out all push and pulling movements. And I'm really just trying to hammer a base right now of force production and force absorption through her lower body. The more I can stabilize her through her lower half, the more I can unlock the upper half. So, yes, we're doing uh movements where she has to go through shoulder blade protraction, she has to go through retraction, but she's not actually doing push and pull movements. It's more about how she's stabilizing her core in the manner in which she performs these movements. And with that, I mean, she's grown probably in the last 8 weeks more than she has in the past year
0: with us. Just by taking the right approach and understanding like how to not just attack something directly, but go underneath with its roots.
1: Absolutely. And then you have to think about this lays the base to then I can pick up where I left off. She has this base now for the upper body. I can go straight back into pressing with her. And now I can continue where I left off, where we were in season. And she's going to be even better at it because we laid this foundation. She's going to be even stronger.
0: Give me another example of um, maybe when like, thoracic rotation is starting to regress likely. Like sometimes when we're in season, this is something that lights up so fast because as athletes get fatigued in the pitching motion. They start to uh, utilize extension as a means to rotate. And so then thoracic extension starts to go down. So basically the more they're not rotating, rotating from the, the correct place of the body, the less capable they are of rotating from the right place in the body. And so what are some of the things that you feel like when we know, okay, that athlete, It's got to feel as if she's like regaining thoracic rotation, thoracic mobility. Um, What are some of the things that you might really attack on the floor?
1: With those athletes, I've actually been microdosing. So I've been doing giving them little uh, pieces of rotation every day. So I'm working trunk rotation on a stable pelvis every day with them in small amounts so that they can learn it and nail those patterns more efficiently. So we're going maybe three sets of five, working a dumbbell bird dog row as heavy as possible. And then we're going something that forces them to stabilize through their lumbopelvic region as well, super heavy and things like that every day so that they're learning. And in those movements, that's the best way to maintain quality movement in season because you are maintaining your strength, but you're also going through the full ranges of motion that you need to rotate.
0: Okay, let's talk about maybe some of the shifts. So, we've kind of just recently gone over um, the threshold between like true off season and now we're entering preseason for our high school athletes. Give me sort of a synopsis of some of the changes that you've made to programming as we're shifting from one season to the next.
1: With this shift, I was able to add another high CNS day. With the athletes being in travel ball season, that's already super exhausting for them and their central nervous system. So with them coming out of this, I was able to add another day to really focus on strength or power, depending on where these athletes are. So right now we're doing day one, be high central nervous system day, day two, if they come in, it's about recovery movement quality. And then day three, I'm able to get them again and really focus on that power and strength. And then the manner in which we do this, of course, it's always in a ratio with their skill work. So if they're going high skill work that day, they're going low with me. And this is kind of the opposite of what uh, a lot of strength and conditioning professionals do, but it's what we found works with us at S2 and with female athletes. And, uh, I would say most of our athletes, typically we don't have muscle soreness. And if we do, uh, it's, rooted in something that we need to address.
0: Yeah. I think, um, that's a conversation that I have with a lot of coaches. I think just, if you're at this point of the training cycle and your athlete has a lot of soreness, something is wrong. She's not recovering appropriately. The workouts themselves are not, uh, you know, written appropriately. Maybe it's, maybe it's the skill is written appropriately from a volume intensity standpoint, but the crossover with strength and conditioning is not matching up. Like you can't have your athletes with like, like tough a lot of soreness to the degree they would report it when you're playing games in a handful of weeks. Like I just feel like we have to kind of take that on ourselves as coaches to understand, like, that's just screaming out at us that like the program is not matching, you know, what the demands of what the game is, is asking, right? Like the demands of the game, period. Um, I think that's a really, really important one. You and I could probably go on and on about intensity and volume and how we're matching that and how much conversation we have, you have times you're like, OK, at this phase before they really are in this preseason, I want to go high, low, high. So that means you're, you know, you know, low, high, low, essentially. OK. And then I'll tell you there's a particular athlete like we can't do that with her because X, Y, Z. And we'll change it up for her. Right. We change it for order. We change up what she needs to accomplish. Uh, we go to the drawing board to see what works for her. Um we then, you know, we'll shift because I'm like, here's what it's not really your job to understand exactly what's happening. I know what these pitchers need to be doing from a training standpoint to be prepared for season. And so then you might have this ideal, here's what I want to do on the strength floor. And I'm like, the game is not ideal. And we find the best hybrid, right? Of like how to really match what's going on. But, uh, we would not go high with you high with me on the same day. Um, we would really try to start to like, you know, have, create that inverse relationship. We always do, but particularly this time of year, we're really being thoughtful about volume and intensity and how those work together across the strength floor into the bullpen. Um, I would say, you know, the the greatest advice that, that I would give just to all pitching coaches out there watching, listening is that just to start, this is a lot it's hard enough to be good. I've said this before on this podcast, but it's hard enough to be good at you in your arena. Like I want to be a great pitching coach. I want to be a great pitching mind. That's a lot of work. You just like every day digging to be great in your own area. And so it feels overwhelming to then know about another area and like enough to know if that person is doing a good job. But I think it's more about being in these discussions regularly with your strength coaches, with the people that are sort of like on your support staff of like, what's their mindset behind that? So even if the execution is off, but the mindset is on point, it's just a matter of time before execution gets better and better. And that's where we started, right? And so like, and in three years, we say the same thing about ourselves now. It's like we were on the we you know we were on the right track with where we wanted things to be going, but we were doing X when we realized it should have been Y. That's part of growing and and growth mindset and evolving as coaches. So I would just I really hope that this discussion and these episodes really just encourage and influence pitching coaches to have those conversations with strength coaches and to know just enough to ask the right questions and to start that conversation across those. Uh arenas to make sure that we have the same goals. Um, I think what I have seen in our player development world, like when we have obviously a lot of external people coming in uh, with starting new assessments, coming in as new athletes, both remote and in-house, is that the current training setup, both in the bullpen, like in t- pitching training, pitching lessons, whatever at all levels, and what pitchers do for strength and conditioning. It's like if knowing now what we know we are oftentimes more times than not in the world in the in the training world actually like building barriers for our athletes like we don't realize it but we are building huge barriers because it's what we think needs to happen or what we did when we played or uh, because it's like a toughness concept because we don't really understand how important recovery is. Like there's just so many things that I uh, have found that I'm like, wow, that training program, we see it like when our athletes are training and they're like my high school preseason started and we're doing, we're running stairs every day. We have to do burpees between pitches. It's like, man, if I if wish that coach only realized like you're you're just putting like a wall up in front of that kid and she's trying to just take that one brick at a time take it off, uh, to be able to climb over and get to where she needs to go. So I think just to be open-minded about the fact that like, you know, are the, is the training setup that I'm building on my programs, not just by themselves, but in conjunction with strength and conditioning are they the best? What am I going for? What am I trying to accomplish? Is that the right avenue? And starting to ask those questions, I think is just really, really important. I would say the discussions between uh, the two of us, Car, like we literally can go on on and on. Our whole podcast could be just the two of us. And so that's why I think, you know, I really encourage everyone out there who's listening. Carly and I tried to not go into too much like nitty gritty on the strength side, because this is really geared towards pitching minded people. And so it's important that you're not going into so much like a language we can't understand, which is why I think this sort of like spinoff and, and all the work that you're creating, whether it be talks and seminars and creating this strength, this strength coach network is just so critical. And obviously I would encourage everyone who's been listening to this series to just keep following Carly, keep encouraging your strength coaches to follow Carly and to keep kind of staying on board with the type of work that she's doing, because it is very, very important for us to really feel like we're working hand in hand.
1: Yeah. I couldn't, could not repeat that enough for strength coaches and pitching coaches everywhere. You do one thing, just look out for your athletes by talking to each other. The more you talk to each other, the more you communicate with each other, the more you're going to get to know that athlete and you're going to get to know their deficiencies, how they move on the field, how they move in the strength floor. And it's going to start filling in a lot of buckets or a lot of questions that you didn't know the answers to before.
0: Yeah. And I think of like be willing to expose your weaknesses as coaches. Like we ask our athletes to do that every single day. But if you sit down, pitching coach and strength coach, and you're like, "Okay, what's the plan of attack? How are we changing from off season to in season?" and that individual can't answer that, you just exposed a gap in the program. And so it's not like that's a bad coach. It's like, okay, we got to think about that. What do we want to be achieving and how are we executing that? Or, you know, like this athlete, this individual athlete, something that's really a challenge in her patterns is X. What is, what's specifically in her program is attacking that. And if there's not a clear answer to that, then that's a hole you've exposed. So I would say like every day we've learned this very early on in our office, it's like, you have to, just let your vulnerability just like spill out all over the place, right? You have to just like pick the holes in your program. It's not about showing that you're the best. It's about continuously exposing the holes in your program and just keep finding what can be filled because that's when you build something great. And it's literally what we ask our athletes to do every day. We're like, don't just train what you're good at. Like expose every hole we can possibly find to make yourself better and better. And like, we are doing the exact same thing. And so I think that's at the root of it. Yes, communicate, but bring that version to yourself, to the conversation, knowing that like, I have holes in my program. Every one of us do. So like, let's just keep, let's, let's open that up. Let's just keep going back and forth. And again, I hope at least after this initial series here in this discussion of even asking questions again about like sports specificity, uh, energy systems, um, all things that obviously you could go into a much greater detail that is geared specifically towards strength coaches, the individuality of the athlete, the fact that she's female and like all of these things are just so, so critical. So, um, I would say, you know, can't stress that enough. Again, this could go on and on for like eternity. Our podcast could just always be about this this relationship. We'll continue to put out as much information as possible as we're just continuing to find, you know, strategies that work and strategies that don't in, in the hopes that we really can just like sort of lead a front where progressing pitching isn't just about progressing what's happening in the bullpen that it's not just about throwing down Soto, and feeling as if like we're using data to influence training or data to influence game day decisions. It's also about the entire system that works around the pitcher and all of the coaches that have their hands in that and being cohesive in those approaches.
1: Yeah. Strength coaches, I challenge you to challenge your pitching coaches, your softball coaches and softball coaches. I challenge you to challenge your strength coaches. I mean, season starts day one that you're in the weight room. And it doesn't matter what you're doing in the weight room on day one. If by the time season comes, you're not built up for volume and intensity. So day one, if you're putting a barbell on your back and it's not efficient, then it doesn't matter come March or April when you're playing, you just created an movement.
0: Yeah. And I think I'm really excited for you to keep building out a lot of this content that I know you're working hard on because um, I'm in a lot of conversations with coaches, particularly at the collegiate level. And when they express some concern about their strength coach, I think like, man, that's really tough because obviously I take that for granted here. Like, you know, we are a team and we're constantly working and if something's off, we'll communicate about it and we'll measure it and we'll make sure it's on the right track. And so um, I'm excited for you to keep building that content so that, um, you know, I've, I feel as if there's more and more out there for strength coaches to just keep feeling like they can grow themselves as well. And the same as what we're doing, trying to do in the pitching world, stop relying on strategies and techniques that you kind of always have in the past. It's just like, if that's the approach, it's probably not cutting it. Right. It's kind of the summary here. Um, okay. So car, thank you for joining redefine the circle here, series two, all about strength and conditioning for pitchers, really how it should be designed, how it should not be designed, what questions to ask. Um, Feel free, obviously, anyone who's watching, listening, to send us questions, comments, and we welcome them every single week. And especially because, obviously, in this series, we sort of dipped into an arena, the strength and conditioning world that maybe we're oftentimes not as comfortable with as pitching coaches. I think just continuing to bring those questions to the surface is just really, really critical. Um, So thank you again, Carr. This is a wrap on uh, you as our our guest host here. Um, Thank you to everyone who listened and watched again this week. Looking forward to seeing you back on Redefine the Circle next week. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I'd love to connect and hear your feedback. You can contact me directly at Ashley at S2Breakthrough.com. If you're listening, you can leave us a review. Or if you're watching, go ahead and leave a comment below. Also, be sure to follow S2 Breakthrough on all of our social media channels and subscribe to Stream S2 to find all things player development. Until next time, quest on.